Welcome back to Winning Within, your go-to self-development podcast. Today we're back again with Dave Wright. Welcome back, Dave. Thanks for having me back. A pleasure. Today we're going to talk about um, staying in a high vibration. And I want to start by just asking you how to do that. <laughs> That's a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> That's often a lot easier than what people think. It's just basically just do things that resonate with you. So just do things that you enjoy doing. Do things that give you pleasure, that make, that are easy, that are light, that are playful, that are creative, that uh, help you relax and enjoy. And that's just the, the simple answer. The more in-depth answer would be to, well, how do you create those kind of feelings? And that, again, goes back to the kind of questions that you're asking yourself. So you can always ask yourself certain questions that are going to bring the right kind of response. So you want to ask the right kind of questions. So a typical question, what you can always ask is, what do I appreciate right here, right now? And that will make you become aware of the things that you appreciate. And often the intellect will answer straight away, oh, I don't know, I don't really appreciate anything. And then if you just ask it a little bit again, no, but what do I really, really go deep into it? What do you appreciate in this here and now? And then you'll start to realize, well, you know, I'm breathing. <laughs> That's a good thing. I'm very glad about that. <laughs> glad I don't have to do that consciously all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. I'm healthy. Um, um, I've got two legs. I've got two arms. I've got some, you know, my, my eyes are working properly. All these simple things that you just take for granted, you know. And then, you know, I've got a little bit of money in my, uh, in my wallet. I can buy some stuff if I need it got a roof over my head and all those simple things that you just take for granted. The more you think about those things, the more you're keeping yourself on that frequency of enjoyment or appreciation or like just ease, basically. How easy is it for us to just sit here and have a conversation, you know? It's just totally easy, isn't it? Totally pleasurable. Mm. Very, uh, very simple. Okay. So doing, firstly, doing things that resonate with you. Yeah, definitely. Which will be different for every person. Absolutely. <clears throat> and then asking you the types of questions that will elicit these types of positive feelings, such as appreciation, such as the question, what do I appreciate right now? So directing your mind to focus on what you want, which we'll be getting into later. Um, and one of those things being things that you already have that you can be grateful for. Um, so let's dive into the first part, which is doing things that resonate with you because not everyone is doing that. Not everyone is currently filling their life with activities that they truly resonate with. And firstly, I'd like to ask you why you think that. Yeah, I suppose that's different for everyone. I suppose you have to ask each person individually. But mostly it'll probably be because the hypnotic programming, which was programmed in by the parents mostly and society and their friends and all the influences that they've had in their life, is telling them to do things that the heart really doesn't want to do. And it'll say it in like, you should be doing this. You must be doing this. You have to do this. And that's when you'll notice when the intellect's speaking because it, it speaks in that kind of, 
it's always trying to like convince and pressure you and like you know with rules and like pushing you all the time to do things whereas your heart will always speak like you can you may you could it's always infinite possibilities it's always options and just being open and you know it's it's like it's up to you Mm-hmm. whatever because that's the real you you know your heart is the real you and the hypnotic programming is what I like to call the character that you're playing in the film and when you were young your parents programmed that character or whoever was looking after you and really uh, later on it's your responsibility to take responsibility and start rewriting that character so that it lines up with the true you which would be your heart in this case right and and let's say <clears throat> that you're someone who who has a bunch of stuff that that they would enjoy but the hypnotic programming uh is interfering with you doing that thing how do you what what's the first step or what what do you do to lessen the impact of the programming and to just do what you want to do Well that's a great question and again I think it would be down to like the person themselves and what the actual situation is so every situation is going to be unique and uh, different but if I was to generalize it like I suppose it would just be to realize that like you're unhappy because often when the hypnotic program is telling you to do things it makes you feel unhappy because it is, you're not resonating with your true self And when you don't resonate with your true self, it makes you feel unhappy inside and it makes you feel stressed and like pressure and under like, you know, like pressure all the time to, to, to do the things you have to do and you have to force yourself to do things and, and things like that, you know, start recognizing when am I doing that? And then start asking yourself, like, what's making me do that? What's making me think that I have to, that I should, that I must do those things? And start challenging those things mm-hmm. and start recognizing the things that like uh, just really easy to do. You know, one of the first questions that I'll always ask people if they come to me and they say I'm not motivated to do something. My very first question pretty much always is how much do you enjoy that thing that you say you want to do? And pretty much always it's going to be like, I don't really enjoy it. But then they'll come with rationalizations and it'll probably be the hypnotic program and speaking saying, well, you know, if I do this now, then later on I'm going to get this and this. And that's how the intellect speaks. It's always about having and doing, whereas your heart's just about being and giving as well because your heart's always living in abundance all the time. So it can always give all the time because it's always enough and it knows that. It doesn't have to prove anything to someone. Mm-hmm. so notice the times that are like really easy so I'll give you an example for anyone listening think about something that you really really enjoy doing you just love doing that thing now imagine I said to you you're going to have to get up tomorrow at nine o'clock in the morning and get out of bed to go and do that thing now if you're like me <laughs> like getting up at nine o'clock in the morning is like a little bit early you know <laughs> so you can translate it to your own time whatever that would be <laughs> so it might be like six o'clock in the morning for you or something like that whatever but like think about it like how difficult would it be for you to get up And, and uh, let's say like uh, um, let's make it even easier let's say whatever your normal time is what you get up You have to get up two hours earlier, but to go and do that thing you love doing, yeah. how difficult is it really going to be for you to get out of bed? In the yeah, morning? it'll be fine. It's going to be good, isn't it? It's going to be easy. Yeah. Now, imagine I said to you, 
you'll have to get out of bed two hours later than what you would normally get up to go and do something you don't really want to do. How motivated would you be to go and do that? Not. Not really, yeah? Yeah. And that's two hours later. In fact, that's like four hours difference. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between your heart and your hypnotic programming. If the hypnotic programming is not in line with your heart, if your hypnotic programming is in line with your heart, you're going to have no problem whatsoever because it's going to be telling you, you could go and do that. You can go and do that. You may go and do that. And you'll be like, yeah, I'm going to do it. It's great. I love it. Mm. And that's the difference. So watch out. I often say to people, you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes you type in Google and you type something in and Google says, did you mean? And then it gives you these other options and that. Well, just have a little hypnotic program in your head that says that. So every time you hear you say, saying, I have to go and do that, just say, did you mean you can go and do that? <laughs> like that. And that would be, uh, in fact, that would be a little challenge for you if you're listening to this. My little challenge for you, my little game to, to give you to go and play for the next week is notice every time that your intellect, your hypnotic programming tells you you should, you must, and you have to, and just change it to can, may, or could, and then you'll realize it's a choice then, and then you can decide, shall I go and do it or not? Mm. Because one of the little tricks that it has, the intellect, is that like, say for instance, let's take something like um, you have to eat every day. You could go for a while without eating. Sooner or later, you're going to have to eat. You could, you know, go on a fast for some time, but sooner or later, you're going to have to eat. So you could say that you must eat. Mm -hmm. Now, if I say to myself, like, oh, I must eat today, it sounds like a pressure, like, you know, it's almost like a chore. Oh, I've got to eat. But if I say to myself, I can eat today, I may eat today, I could eat today, suddenly it feels like a choice. It feels like the universe has said, like, you can eat if you want. It's up to you. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to eat. Thanks. I'm going to do it. So one of the little tricks it has is that it says, but if you don't say must or have to or should, then you're not going to do it. But that's not true. Because when you say you may, you can and you could, that's a choice. And obviously, if I'm going to choose to eat or not to eat and I'm hungry, what am I going to choose? You know, I don't have to say to myself, you must eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My stomach's just going to say, let's eat. And I'll be like, yeah, okay, it's a choice. So be careful, especially for things that you actually want to do. Exactly. To not uh, tarnish that yeah. sort of the energy of between you and that thing by saying, I have to go do the thing I love. Exactly. Yeah. Because then it sort of gives it that like negative energy to it. It's like a pressure now, you know, it's like mm -hmm. a, like a stress and people often do that. So they'll enjoy something and get right into it and they'll say like, oh, I must do that now. And suddenly you've just made it into like a pressure thing. Like you're mm. getting forcing. It's always trying to force you to do things, you know, whereas your heart never forces. It just says, do you want to do it or not? Is it resonating? Yeah or no? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, people could just experiment, right? Like we can just experiment and and uh, yeah just do those things that we think we would like to do and then see how we feel when we're doing them um yeah and then and then do the things that we naturally vibe with 
exactly that, that resonate with us so you could use that like little uh, metaphor or whatever you want to call it like a little example that I just gave and that and just ask yourself well if I had to get up two hours earlier to go and do this and that like would it bother me or would it be dead easy mm. and if it's dead easy then you know oh, that resonates with me and if you think well if I had to get up two hours later to go and do it and that like and I'm like oh it's going to be a bit of a pressure that's going to be difficult I we going to drag myself out of bed after having that extra two hours in my bed and now I've got to go and drag myself to go and do that thing mm. that could be a way like you could sort of get a, a clearer evaluation of what's going on mm-hmm. and especially if you notice must have to should and you just replace it with could can or may and then it's a choice then and then it's like yeah I choose to go and do it yeah it's great I like it or nah doesn't really resonate with me today yeah, so so this kind of like, it, it it would be, in saying this, it sounds like you're also advocating a more balanced life rather than what is some the narrative that's sometimes pushed of like, just work your ass off on, let's say you want to build like a photography business or something, like just work day and night on your photography business because the more time you put in, the more you're going to get out of it, which there is some truth to that. Like you need to work on the thing you want to see manifest. But um, like I was telling you yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> like I like the idea of being a coach. I, I would like to be a coach uh, eventually. And I was saying, I love going to the gym. So, and we were talking about like this sort of thing. And I was saying, well, actually like going to the gym regularly can help me become a coach eventually. Because it's just doing things I enjoy. Exactly. That keep me positive and feeling good. Precisely, yeah. Um, Because you're staying on that frequency. It goes back to that again. You want to stay on that frequency. So I've said it before, isn't it? It's like like a radio. On 105 FM, you've got like lack, fear, worry. And on 110 FM, you've got unconditional love, uh, happiness, joy, ease. And if you want to transmit and receive on 110 fm then it's up to you to keep it on that frequency all the time because if you let the frequency sort of drift to 105 fm where you're in lack fear and worry then that's what you're giving out that's what you're going to get back Mm. and 110 fm's there for you you could pick it up if you want it but you're on the wrong station and that's why it makes it difficult to, to receive something when you're in fear lack and worry that's how you get in your own way basically yeah and and this would sort of also um, be another reason to stay present, right? Especially if well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well what, what do you what do you actually mean by that? So like, let's go into that a little bit because that's interesting. Because we we had something on the other one where yeah. there's, there's a like because we're using associations all the time. So let's go a little bit deeper into that one and then sure. come back to that question. <laughs> So what was your question first, though, that we come back to? Yeah, so what I was going to say was, so it, it wasn't a question, it was just a statement that, especially if you have, uh, like, negative programming that is has conditioned you to be in, like, uh, fear, lack, and uh, other... Worry. Worry. Um, then the less you're present, the more you're going to be in that programming, and the more you're going to be in fear... Uh, lack and worry yeah so, which yeah. yeah and then explain to me what you actually mean by being, by being present, present. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, by being present I mean to, to to be connected to to the now 
to, okay. to the experience that you're having currently. Yeah, so if you weren't present, then where would you be? <laughs> <laughs> well, your attention, I think what I mean is when your attention is directed to the now. Exactly, yeah. Because it can be directed to a not now. Yeah. I, I like to think of it like this, as like imagine a park. We're in the park and the park is the here and now. And in the park, let's say on the left-hand side, there's a big, massive projection screen there. And that's, let's say, the past. And it has pictures about an imaginary character, which you would call you on the past there. And on the right-hand side, we've got one, and it's like the future. So those two big screens are actually in the park, in the here Mm. and now. So they're never not in the here and now. But what can happen, because we focus our attention on things... We could just focus our attention in the park and be in the here and now and think, oh, look, there's two screens there. There's one's the past and one's the future. And we just know that they're there. They're like two thoughts that appear in the park. We're like, oh, there they are. Okay, they're in the here and now. But if we focus our attention into the content of what's being played on that screen, then we lose the sort of realization and lose the recognition that we're in the park and suddenly we go into the film and we're, I suppose you could call it then you'd be lost in thought. So you still are the presence because without you, there is no park, there are no screens, there is no content on the screens. But because your attention is so focused on the screen that you forget that you're in the park and you could say then in that terminology, you lose presence. But really what you're doing is you're just losing the awareness that you're in the park at Mm. the same time. So from awareness's point of view, you are the presence so whether you're pre- you're present in the park or you're present with the content of the screen, you're still the presence. So think of it like you're like a torch, but you're, the awareness is like the light in the torch. So if the light's shining in the park, then you're present in the park. But if the light's shining to the screen on the content of the screen and sort of lost the recognition that you're in the park, you're present but in the screen now. And the screen is also in the here and now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like very important to sort of notice the difference between what you're saying there. And again, it goes down to your own associations and things like that. But that always seems like very important for me to get across because that's like the sort of basis of everything, what I'm sort of um, representing here by sharing these insights and stuff is that when it all boils down to it, you are the presence, you're the light in the torch. And without you, there's nothing to be perceived or anything. Mm-hmm. So if we take you away, there is no park, there is no torch, there is no screens, there's nothing. And where people sort of, what you would say then, are not present, where they lose, what I would call, they lose the recognition of the here and now, is when they're focused on one of those screens, either the, the, the past or the future, and they're lost in the content of the film. But they're still present. But now they're present in that imaginary content because there's no real content in there. It's just pixels. It's just forms and shapes and colors flashing at a certain thing. So when you see the people in there, or even you even see yourself in there, it's like that's you're not in it. You're not in there. There's no mm. one there. It's like if you watch the TV, you know, and you see people in the TV in the film. There's no people in that TV screen at all. It's a big illusion. So you, the presence. Focus your attention on the content in the screen of the past or the future and you 
are present with the content, but the content itself is also in the park, in the here and now. Mm -hmm. Okay, and to to continue that metaphor with um, the what I was talking about before the programming. Yeah, I guess if you're in that park, which is the present moment, and inside the park you have the screen that's showing the past and the screen that's showing the future. If you've had like, if you've if you're lucky enough to have had an amazing uh, upbringing and like just a perfect programming that in, in the way you would put it aligns to your heart. Yeah. And then you have a beautiful garden that like just seems to grow perfectly and doesn't really have any weeds ever. So it doesn't matter whether you're looking at the garden or at either of the screens the garden is kind of beautiful always. Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Sounds like a dream. <laughs> but but if, if that's not the case, which is not for the vast majority of people, then uh, you have, uh, unless you've worked to neutralize it, you have negative programming inside your computer, meaning that the, the soil is susceptible to growing weeds. Yeah. And so the longer you're looking at the screen of the pre of the past or the future, the more there's weeds just growing. That's a great metaphor, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just adding to yours, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but it's a nice, but, it's a na nice uh, analogy to put it like that because your attention's not in the here and now. Yeah. So you're neglecting the here and now, which is going to become part of that past as well or part of that future, isn't it? You know, depending on which way you look at it. Like what's happening now in like a few seconds' time when I said now, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. That's on the screen now. And we're looking back at it going, oh, remember when I said no, like yeah. a few seconds ago. And that's where most people sort of, I don't want to say go wrong. That's where most people make it more difficult for themselves because they're too busy focused on what's going on on one of those screens that they're not recognizing the here and now. They're not recognizing that everything they're actually looking for is always here and it's always now. And when you put your focus in one of those screens and like think that that's better there, you lose all your power, you give all your power away. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, you can't really change anything in there because mm. like, well, the future's just like a, a million ideas. It could be any one of them and that like, so again, you could choose one out and work towards it and that wouldn't there'd be nothing wrong with that. So you could plan for the future, another way would be to say, plan for the future, pick some ideas out, but don't get stuck, it's gotta be like that, you know, just notice some ideas in the future, notice how it feels and think, okay, yeah, I'll work sort of vaguely towards that, but recognize at the same time that the feelings that I think I'm gonna get when I get there, they're right here right now, so why not? Bring those feelings up first now and then go through that process with those feelings and enjoy the process. So I've said it before, make the experience the goal, make the process the goal. So you don't have to get to the goal to feel those feelings. You start off with those feelings and then if you get to that goal, great. But maybe along the way you found another thing that's like way better and you're like, oh, that first thing, I don't need that anymore. This sounds even better, you know? And the same with the past is that like, with the past, it's already happened, so you can't change 
what actually happened but you can change your perception of what happened you can change the meaning of what happened and you can change the importance of what happened and if i do hypnotic regression with people that's basically what you're doing with those people they've given it some kind of meaning they've got some kind of um, importance to it it's either very important or not important at all and it depends what the what the situation is that like you know you want to uh, help them look at it in a different way and give it a different meaning and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So for instance, throughout my own life is that when I used to suffer with deep depression phases, that was like one of the worst periods of my life, especially the time when I lost my humor. That was like the worst. Uh, that was I, I went so serious and went such deep victim mentality, deep victim role, that I actually lost the ability to laugh and make jokes and have humor. And that was one of the things that always got me through those phases. So at the time, that was horrendous. It was like the worst. But when I look back at it now, I'm like, I'm so glad that I went through that because now I can really understand how someone feels when they come to me mm. and they tell me that's how I feel. And I know what that feels like, you know. So life basically gave me high quality training and said, listen, I'm going to put you through this so that later on, you're going to be able to help people get through this and help them get out of something what seems like you can't get out of it at all. So it turns from like what I would think then at that time as a problem into like a powerful resource. So what did I do? I changed my perception. I changed the meaning. I changed that, mm. the importance to it. And you can do that. Anyone can do that at any moment, at any time, with any situation. So you can't change what happened, but you can change the way you look at it and you can change the meaning you're giving into it and you can change the importance. So it could become that for me, for instance, if you said to me, uh, you could forget all those things that ever happened to you. We'll start fresh and I'll give you 5 million euro as well. Or you can keep them and keep the insights. I'd, I'd say for 50 million euro, I would I just laugh at you in your face because of the amount of insights and the amount of importance that gave me to be able to be happy and joyful and um, like playful in the here and now and to be able to share that with other people you can't put a price tag on that I would never give that up for anything so for me it became very important that I went through that you know now with another thing you might go through something and then you let it go and you're like oh it's not even important anymore and you just let it go as if it mm. never happened anyone can do it and what were some of those insights what that I got from the depression things yeah. well for one that it's your choice how many times have you ever heard me say it? I always come back to it. It's your choice. You can choose. You can choose the victim mentality or you can choose the empowered mentality or you can even go one better and just choose to recognize what you truly are on the deepest level, which is un unlimited potential, unconditional love, pure awareness. Without you, like I said before, that light in the torch, without that light in the torch, nothing can be perceived in the darkness. And so when you say happiness is a choice, is that what you mean? That you, happiness is a choice because if we focus on the, the first two um, options yeah. that you have, um, you're saying that happiness is a choice because you can either choose the victim mentality, which sort of condemns where you condemn yourself to suffering. Yeah. Totally. Or you choose the empowered mentality and give yourself a chance to be happy. Exactly. So in that sense, right. it's a choice. So what I would call the individual consciousness, which I would call your personal TV screen, and then 
the mind on top of it. Like it's like the the actor or the actress and the character that you're playing. They're like one in the in the 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 uh, the what would you call it in the film of life. They're like one together. So in that sense, what would happen is if you were to choose from out your resonance, you're in a resonance. It doesn't really look at it as a choice. It's just like which one resonates with my true being. So if I was to choose from out my heart, I would have like the victim mentality on one side and the empowered mentality on the other. Now, if I was to choose from out my heart, my heart would automatically choose the empowered mentality because that resonates with my true being. That's what I truly am. And it would feel that, but it wouldn't like make the other one wrong. It wouldn't say like, I've got two choices and I'm going to choose for that one. It just feel like that one. Oh, that one's magnetism to me. You know, it magnetizes. It comes towards me because your heart doesn't really go to anything. It pulls things to you. It's like a magnet. So it would pull the empowered mentality to me automatically because it recognizes itself. And that would be the same uh, frequency resonance. Whereas the, the, uh, the, mentor, the other one, the victim mentality, that doesn't resonate with me. So it automatically, like magnetically sort of push that one away. So if it was coming out of my heart, it would just be like, we could call it a choice, but it's not really a choice. It's just whatever's resonating with me the most at the moment it just automatically pulls it towards you and what doesn't it automatically just pushes it away magnet like as a magnet whereas the mind lives in the duality so the mind would say oh i chose to be this one or i chose to be that one so if the mind's choosing again the mind might choose to be the victim mentality because there's some programming in there that tells it oh can't be like pretending like i'm i'm empowered and that because I'm not empowered. I've been told I'm a piece of shit. I've been told that I'm no good. I've been told that I'm mm. worthless by the authority figures in my life, the hypnotists in my life when I got born. They program my character and my character is a victim. It's one who's going to suffer and I need to suffer. So it would choose for that one. Mm. Whereas if you were connected with your heart, your heart would tell you automatically, choose that one, choose that one. That's the one that resonates with us. And it'd say it to you just very, it wouldn't say you have to choose the, the empowered mentality because it doesn't speak like that. It's, it, it just says this one resonates with us. Go this way. For the mind, it's like you're going to go towards it, but for the heart, it's pulling it towards you. Mm. And that's the difference. Yeah. So you answered the question I was going to ask because I was like, so why, why do people often choose a victim mentality? Yeah. Because the hypnotic program tells them to. Because, it, like I've said this before, the victim mentality has this belief inside that it can't, it's not lovable. It can't be loved. And therefore, what it thinks is love is sympathy. That's one of its main sources of love. Mm. Take it from someone who sat in that mentality like very deeply for a very long time. It's, it, sympathy it loves sympathy it just needs it it loves misery as well when it's like miserable and that because it get more sympathy then and it thinks that's the only way i can get conditional love because no one's going to love me and i won't love myself unconditionally because either it doesn't know how to do it or it doesn't want to do it because it doesn't believe that it's worthy of love because the hypnotic program's telling it you're not worthy of love because the hypnotists the authority figures in its life told it you're a fucking piece of shit you're not worth anything you're useless, you're a disappointment. If it came from my 
hypnotic programming like my mother would just say to me completely all the time you're such a disappointment you're useless you're i'm ashamed of you what did i do to deserve you you're the the child of satan come to test my faith in god that was my hypnotic programming and it went deep down inside but luckily i had a very strong instinct and intuition otherwise i wouldn't have survived those years if it wasn't for those two those two made like a, a sort of executive decision inside because they're programmed to obey her because I came out of her. So they're automatically programmed to obey her because there's some kind of connection, energetic connection going on in there. Those two? The instinct and the intuition. Right. The program to obey her, like intuition, intuitively and instinctively. But they can make an executive decision to say, they that's bringing us danger. We're mm. in danger from them because it's there to protect me, protect me, mm. not her, to protect me. And it made an executive realization and decision very early that she is the enemy. And if we carry on that way, obeying her, we're not going to make it. We're just not going to make it. We're going to end up committing suicide or whatever. So they made a, a decision inside. I think in psychology, it's called the split or something like that. can't remember exactly. I've heard of it vaguely before. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they just said like, well, we have to obey her, but we take an executive decision because she's the enemy now. So we're going to split off from her. And when that happens, then you just split off. And then they said to me, basically, we're going to tell you now what we can do. And we're going to suggest to you and that like, don't listen to her. We're your authority now. Listen to us over her. And we're not going to obey her anymore because she's fucked up in the head like. Hmm. And there was a feeling inside. If I think back to it now, I didn't understand it in my head, but I felt it inside. There was something wrong there, severely wrong. Just didn't add up. Energetically, it was just like, ugh, it just didn't didn't resonate. And, so you, and you realised this when you were still like living with her? Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is like yeah. probably when I was like three or four, maybe like, you know. I didn't realise it in well, how I could explain it to you now, but energetically, I've realised it inside. And I split off from her. Like at but, a very early age. But then are you saying that when you were that young, you stopped taking in her, like, programming? Yeah. Well, well, I didn't stop taking it in. She was still programming me, but I wasn't going to obey what she said anymore. So the rebel part of me got born right, inside. Okay. So my instinct and intuition said, listen, we're going to give you other instructions apart from her ones, and it's up to you to decide which one you want. And I'm, I was like, I'm with you too. You know what I mean? Thanks for being there because I'm getting fucked here, like bad style. Like <laughs> I'm getting like pure shit for nothing. You know what I mean? Why am I getting all this shit? It was obvious that she had pure psychological problems herself and she wanted a girl. I was a guy like that. So that fucked her up as well and uh, all other things. Um, so, you know, I, I can't blame her because that's just, that's her experience. So it's not like I used to blame her, of course, like beforehand. But after, like when I've been through that process, I realized like, you know, she was just doing the best what she had at the time. And that's the same for anyone in any situation. We're all doing just the best what we can with what we've got at the time. And afterwards, we're all experts. What's the saying in English? Hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm. We're all experts afterwards, you know. So... I used to judge her and I used to, because that's what she taught me. She was very judgmental. She'd just be critical all the time, like really like uh, arrogant and uh, narcissistic and that kind of, um, you know, behavior. But when I look back now, I just think, you know, she was just suffering with her own shit and that, like, she just didn't know how to deal with it. And that's 
that's how it came out. So I don't blame her or anything for that. I even understand, like, she didn't have any other real, any other choice at that time, you know, to do anything other than she, the best what, with what she could do at the time with mm. what she had. So it's not like a blame thing, but it's more like, um, it's just a factual thing. That's just the way it was. Yeah, and she, she probably thought that she was doing a great job. Definitely, right? yeah. Again, with with mm. you know with her programming, with her hypnotic programming, telling her like you know you should be doing this and you should be doing that, and she's very religious, you know. So she and again, you know, she couldn't handle it. And then if you can't handle it, and then you've got to handle it, yeah, you, you're gonna fuck up, aren't you, along the way? So you know, I can understand that about her. Luckily enough, my instinct and my intuition just stepped in like really early and said listen we're never going to survive this unless we take over now so you've got a choice again it came from my heart so my heart said i'm not going to tell you what to do i'm going to give you a choice don't fucking listen to her listen to us and we'll tell you what to do we'll guide you through the, the through this horrible like 15 years when i lived with uh, both of them and they did very well but of course i, I took a lot of damage along the way Mm. a lot of damage but now you're saying that you're happy you you experienced that yeah that's it I would never ever swap that for anything Give mm. me, offer me 50 million euro whatever offer me a house in Ireland I'd just laugh at you and say the, the insights that I got out of that I've been able to help me empower like thousands of other people you know what I mean which they will empower thousands of other people which they will empower thousands of other people and that, so I would never give that up, you know. I'm mm. so glad that I actually had that. I realise now it's a training. So if we go back to where we started on that, something that was like the worst part of my life and that suddenly becomes like the, the greatest gift. Mm. And it's still the same situation. Nothing's changed apart from my perceptions changed, the meanings that I've given it's changed and the importance changed. And would you say that like the like the curse is the gift because like let's say with the depression for example that is it because it provided you with empathy and an understanding of what that's actually like yeah definitely and why is that important because it helps me be happy in the here and now so when most people like with all the things like we've spoke about on the podcast and stuff like that that was part of how I was able to discover all those powerful insights and those powerful tools and even want to learn all those mm. stuff, you know. That's what was one of the things that's driving that. So right. if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be motivated to do all those things, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. from out my heart. So all those, all those really powerful things that I've learned from other people who've been through all kinds of shit and other people who've been all kinds of shit and people who've donated or like 30 years of their life to developing certain insights and tools and then they share them with me and then I can use them and I don't have to go through that 30 years and then I share them with someone else and within 30 minutes you've learned something what someone took 30 years to distill down to like a simple powerful insight you know and then that's going to be just a, a small part of you on so their 30 years is going to be a small part of your understanding yeah. which is going to be like a part of your 30 years which is going to be a exactly. small part of someone else you know damn yeah that wait so i i want to i want to comment on that for a second <clears throat> Because there's another way to look at it. Another way to look at it is like uh, a way that I'm sure a lot of people look at their past if they've had like a challenging past and it's to be like, oh, fuck this person for being like that. Fuck my mom, fuck my dad, fuck whoever. 
and uh, than to self-pity themselves um, and to use it as an excuse to not push forward for their life. Because it's like, well, I have an excuse for not doing, not being happy because look what happened to me, you know? So I've got a cushion. There you go. Exactly. This didn't happen to you. Um, but I, I love what you're saying, like, about completely shifting the meaning and because it's true that why would someone obsessively study whatever it is about self-development about becoming happy like obsessively like really try to discover things uh to improve their mind when like they they were born to like a, a good family <laughs> and they're like happy and they're like it's like this know? all the time what are you on about all this depression and stuff I've got a great life uh, my parents support me in every way possible and yeah. stimulate me uh, creatively and ask me all the time what do you enjoy doing yeah that person's not gonna not gonna start like thoroughly studying the mechanics of the mind to become happy because exactly. where's the impetus where's the where's the drive yeah so I call it like a high quality training that the big me which I like to call it the big me the subconscious the universe whatever you want to call it that's what it created for me mm. that was a basic thing and what it often does and you'll often notice this I'll often notice this with people who come to me my highest value is enjoyment and what happened was I got born into a family that done exactly the opposite. So they done everything they could to stifle that enjoyment and block it and resist it. And that made that muscle of like enjoyment, like you're like a super muscle, you know what I mean? Mm. You can't like stop it. It got like beaten, it got punched, it got trampled on, it got everything like metaphorically seen, emotionally and mentally and spiritually completely like trampled on for like years and years and years, mm. which just made it more stronger just made it stronger and stronger and stronger damn yeah so it's wow and you'll often find this with people like that like when they'll will come to me and they'll say things like you know why did i have to go through all this because i'm i'm this type of person and i was in that kind of situation which is the opposite and i'll say well it's obvious isn't it you know what i mean <laughs> you were given a gift and then you were trained up with that gift you were put in an environment that like made it very difficult to use your gift so that when you actually popped out of that environment it just became like super easy and you've got all the insights as well to, to use it you know yeah it's like you've been resisting the whole you've been resisted the whole time you're trying to go forward the whole time you're getting resisted and suddenly you just pull the resistance away you just go mm. just fly wow yeah it's like I, I heard of like this uh, apparently certain like farmers will put a little bit of soil on a budding plant like to cover it up a little yeah. bit so that it's forced to like struggle yeah so it doesn't get it easy flex its muscles and that I'm gonna get through that because there's little ones as well when they're young they just like want to get out there don't they get to connect with the sun and the light and the warmth they're like yeah yeah <laughs> like so, strengthening it off like mm. so not only does it provide you with strength because it it's like you were adversity was forced onto you you couldn't have chosen it but it was forced onto you and so that develops strength, but not only that, but it also develops, it can develop your entire direction in life. Like for you, it, it developed into your career. Yeah. To what you do, what you dedicate your time to. Yeah. It's like, it's like a big part of life, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what my practice is to me. It's just an extension of me. 
that's why it's my passion. So it's just an extension of what and who I am. Mm. And that's why it makes it so easy for me to do it. It's just real. Even though, like, I'm dealing with people who are, like, really heavy traumas and things like that, they come with me. Some of the things that people go through, it's fucking soul-destroying when you listen to it, you know what I mean? What they've been through and that, like... But life gave me the ability to stay neutral and stay transparent so it doesn't stick to me and I don't get pressured by it, you know, because... I notice what works for me. So I only do like two sessions a day. That's my maximum what I'll do. Every now and again, I'll do three. But mostly I'll only do two sessions a day because that's enough for me. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's just perfect for me. And then I've got enough room for if the session goes over the time and that, then I'm not looking at the time when someone's going to have a massive breakthrough. And I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Time's up. You'll have to come back like the next few weeks or something. I don't have to go through that because I don't like that. I don't want to ever have that situation where that happens. So I've always got more than enough time at the end of the session if that goes over the, you know, the thing. And again, because it's my passion, you know, people say, yeah, but you have to like get paid for your time and all that. My passion is to help people help themselves. There's nothing I enjoy doing more than that. So for me to stop that session to go and do something less enjoyable just doesn't compute to me. It's just not logical. <laughs> Let's stop this session now because you've had your time so I can go and do something less enjoyable than this. You know, it just doesn't compute to me. <laughs> there are many other things that I enjoy just as much as it, but like, that's like the highest thing. That, that's I don't really enjoy doing anything more than doing sessions with people and helping people to like empower themselves and that because I know what a difference that can make I've been there at the bottom I've sat at the bottom of the depression I've thought about suicide for more hours in the day than not in the hours of the day you know for a long periods of time like deep depression phases so it's it's like a pure pleasure and also an honor that people would like trust me to be able to guide them into that darkness of like that pure you don't want to go there you know what I mean and then they trust me to be able to guide them down to those places and trust me to be able to communicate with the deeper part of them the subconscious and that to help them you know to to let that stuff go and just be happy in the here and now and just you know appreciate and enjoy and just you know just revel in your own being it's just it's a miracle that you even exist you know what I mean and there you are Uh, so it's just like a pure honour to me to be able to do that and I probably wouldn't have had that amount of appreciation if I didn't go through that training of like being with my mother and father in that thing and going through all those depression phases and that like so the big me trained me up actually to do that and said I'm going to give you some high hardcore quality training and when you've done this then it doesn't matter who comes to you. It doesn't matter how deep a hypnosis they're in and they'll tell me, like, you know, uh, I'm a hopeless case because I have that sometimes. People come and they'll say, I'm a hopeless case and that, like, mm. I, I'm not going to be able to do it. And uh, and I know because I'm hearing, all I'm hearing is the character speaking. I know the real them, the actor or the actress. There's nothing about a hopeless case. You can't be destroyed in that sense, you know. You can't be damaged in that sense. In the same way that the TV screen can never be damaged by anything that happens on the film. So when they come to me and they tell me, like, you know, I've been through this and I've done that, what I'm hearing is the characters telling me what they went through. And I know 
that when they step out of that character and they realise that they're the actor or the actress, unlimited potential playing that character, then suddenly all those things that were connected to the character, the depression, all the traumatic shit and everything that happened, it doesn't belong to them anymore. They leave the character in the film set, you could say, and then step into another character, an empowered character that says, wow, all that shit, what I learned from that, I'm taking it now and I'm stepping into this new character and this new character is just totally empowered. And do you ever have people who step back into their previous character sometimes? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah, of course. Why do do you su- what, what do you suppose causes that? Well, it can, it can be all different things because if you really want to like have permanent change then you really have to embody some of the things that I always do my best to give to people like using unconditional love all the time so what will often happen is I'll give you an example is someone will come we'll do some like deep work using unconditional love to applying it to those depressive feelings and all those hurt feelings inside and they'll heal them all because you're not judging them anymore you're not trying to get rid of them you allow them to come up you allow them to speak you allow them to be what they are you allow them to speak their truth and you don't say that's right or wrong because that would be conditional love it would be judgment you just say like you know that's your truth you're allowed to say that you're allowed to think that and often when that happens the people will fly around for like three or four weeks on a little pink cloud as i call it like because it's an amazing feeling that like Mm. your mind's been rejecting parts of your consciousness of like rejecting it saying you're not allowed to come in and then suddenly they're allowed to come home and when you come home that's just like an amazing feeling it's like better than any drug you just fly around like for an ecstasy for like about three weeks you know what i mean just feeling amazing but then what often happens is these things are in layers so often there'll be a lot of deep layers and then people well, another layer will come up because the subconscious will say, wow, you did very well. I'm impressed. You know what I mean? So normally I wouldn't even allow you to know about these layers, but now I'm going to make you allow you to know that these layers here and I'm even going to let one or two come up. So they'll make themselves known, advisors, and they'll come up for healing. And what they often say then is like, it's come back. And that's like a misconception because they think that's thinking like it's a problem again, thinking those feelings are problems when they're never problems, they're just uh, advisors coming up trying to tell you something. But then they go back into that old way of thinking of like, oh, it's come back, like it's a problem. And now I have to fix it again. And it's that very action of trying to fix it. That's what's been causing the problem all the time. It's that misconception that those uncomfortable feelings were actually problems. That's what was causing the problem. And once you take away that misconception, you correct it to understand that those feelings are honest subconscious signals, advisors coming up trying to tell you things, then you'll never see them as a problem ever again. So until you've actually like really incorporated that understanding, that recognition in your system, then you could easily go back into thinking, oh shit, they've come back. I did some great work. It was great for three weeks. And now it's come back. Instead of recognizing that it's just another chance to go even deeper and heal even more and get even more powerful like feelings coming up, you know, of like allowing these parts of you to come back in, which of course you don't ever really come back in. You're always complete and whole from your heart's point of view. It's just that your mental programming, your hypnotic programming has decided that some parts are allowed in and some parts aren't because those parts that got hurt in the past, you're not allowed in because we don't really be feeling you, do we? 
If we get rid of you, then we'll feel great and we'll feel happy again. And that's self-rejection. And that's what causes the problem. That causes the real deep pain. Because it's one thing, to, one thing to go through pain in the past from your parents and stuff. But when you start rejecting yourself, that's the real pain. So once you stop doing that, and the opposite to self-rejection, of course, is self-love, which is the pure recognition of these parts coming up without any kind of judgment, without any kind of censorship, so they don't have to start change their opinion or anything, and without any kind of limitations. You just allow them to be. You accept them as being there. That's it. They're not right or wrong. That's what they feel. That's what they think. And once you do that, then they're healed. From your, from your mind's point of view, they're healed. But from your heart's point of view, you've created balance again because you are rejecting those painful parts. It causes imbalance like that. Mm-hmm. And that's where you, like people often say, you know, I don't feel balanced or I feel like I've lost my balance or I've lost my way or, you know, I'm just like... Um, unstable. Unstable is the word I'm looking for, yeah? Exactly yeah, If that you're not word. balanced, you're not going to be stable. Exactly. And that's what they say. I feel unstable. And that's why. Because the painful parts of them, they keep rejecting all the time. And that's even more painful. So little parts of you come up, like imagine a little child version of you comes up and says, I'm really hurt because this happened to me. And you're like, sorry, I haven't got time for you in that. How's that child going to feel? Hmm. Fucking devastated. And that's what causes the real pain. So self-love would say to that child, tell me about that. What's making you feel that way? And if he said like, you know, well, uh, to be honest, I hate my parents and not like, and uh, now conditional love would say to you, oh, you can't say that. You can't say you hate your parents. You're going to have to change that attitude before you come in. Where self-love would say, you're allowed to say that because that's your experience. I'm not here to force you to think or feel or do anything in any way. I recognise your pain. You hate your parents. You're allowed to say that. I'm not going to say it's right or wrong. I'm just going to recognise it. You're allowed to say that. And when that happens, that little part of you starts to trust you. Because you don't judge it. And it knows. Ah, I can say anything to me. My, my older self. Because he or she accepts me unconditionally. And I trust you then. And it reintegrates back in from the mind's point of view. And what does that actually look like? Reintegration. Well, what people would call a trigger. Where certain things trigger you and it comes up an uncomfortable feeling. Maybe, like, if you notice, a trigger will be caused by a thought. Most people think it will caused by a situation, but what happens is the situation causes a thought and thought causes the feeling to come up. Mm-hmm. So once you identify that thought, then you can use that to trigger it on purpose and let it come up, connect with it with unconditional love, get it to speak about what it wants to speak, if it wants to say something, because feelings don't really speak in language anyway. They, uh, they just speak in feelings, so you just feel uncomfortable. That's it saying, like, oh, this doesn't resonate with us, basically. And mm. if it's comfortable, it's saying, yeah, this does resonate with us. So you can think of a personality part of, like, two parts of it. You've got the top part, which is mental, which is, like, thinking processes, beliefs, perceptions. And then you've got the other part, the feeling part, which is just sensations and emotions that are created by the, the things, the thoughts and the perceptions. Mm-hmm. And then you could say there's a third part sometimes, the situation in which that part is like sort of, like let's say like the scene in a film, that you could say that was like the third element. Which elicits the... Yeah, the so it might have happened in a certain thing. So you might have been home with your parents and some shit happened and then 
that will be like a sort of holographic photo of what went on and it's sort of frozen there in your in your mental programming somewhere and then it means a certain things to you okay and reintegr reintegration is when that no longer bears an emotional charge well not a negative one anyway so you might have a positive one from it because you've changed the meaning of it now and you're like, oh, like what I said about my example, when I look back, that it gives me a positive feeling because I'm like, thanks universe for giving me that. It was hardcore training and it was like horrible at the time, but thanks very much for that. And now I've created another meaning and because I've created another meaning, another advisor is going to come up now that resonates with the meaning that I've given it. And I've given it a meaning of like, I'm totally empowered. So even as I'm saying it now, I'm just getting goosebumps all over my whole body because that's my resonance inside saying that resonates with your true being inside. That's one of the ways I feel that like intensely is like my whole body will just go into goosebumps. It's like it's like streaming, streaming right through me right now, like in waves as mm. I'm saying it because it's telling me that resonates deeply with your true inner being, what you're saying now. So you... Going back to that, if you identify the thought that's causing the uncomfortable feeling, you'll know when you've neutralized it because you'll be able to think that thought and it won't have any effect on you whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't have my red T-shirt, but I've got uh, I've got Let's devil's go. advocate. Oh, I love it. Let's go. <clears throat> Could you not then bypass the... Because ultimately what people are afraid of is to feel the uncomfortable feeling. And that's what people a lot of people tend to run away from. So could you not bypass that by changing the meaning? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So you could just change the meaning. Because remember, it's just an advisor coming up. Right. So that's often what happens. That's the two ways you could do it. You could either change the meaning, which will change the advisor coming up. Because it's only telling you that it's not resonating. So if I went back to my example and I started saying, oh, I'm such a victim and, you know, oh, why does it have to happen to me and all that? And I really believe that. Because I can say that now, but I can feel it inside just sort of laughing going, that's just bullshit. <laughs> but in the past, if I'd have said that, I'd have gone into a deeper depression phase because the, the advisor of depression and sadness had come up saying, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, that resonates with something deep down inside here that isn't being healed yet. Mm. But now I can say it, and it's just like, even if I say like, oh, I'm a victim and stuff like that, it just makes me laugh because I've given it a totally different meaning. Same thoughts, just a different meaning now. Okay. So that would be one way to do it. And then before you ask the question, the other way would be just to connect with the advisor, allow the advisor to express, and then suddenly when you go back up into the thought, you can fire the thought off again. And if there's not any more layers underneath, it'll just mean, it won't mean anything to you. It'll just be like a thought, just like, oh, whatever. Mm. Okay. Before we started recording, we were talking about the pain body, Eckhart yeah. Tolle's pain body. So then in his, because I don't know if you sort of, um, uh, prescri uh, what's the word, uh, subscribe to, to his sort of philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, but what then would you say to that if, for example, we do have, because it resonates with me, like the fact that we've got this sort of accumulated um, negative energy from past experiences. And um, so then when you, when you say, um, not be present, I was going to say be present, but connect. <laughs> Literally stop. Be aware. <laughs> connect, connect with the way that you feel. 
that lines up with uh, what he teaches as well, because he says actually when you when you connect with the pain body, you dissolve it. Yeah. You use different terminology. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same sort same of, kind of thing. concept. But then, so how how would you reconcile that of like the pain body and then uh, the fact that you're saying that you can actually bypass connecting with your feelings and just change the meaning? Well, it depends as well. So if you've had a thought all the time that keeps coming along and it keeps generating that feeling, there is this sort of idea that it sort of gets stuck in your body. But that's sort of like more of a metaphor kind of thing. So it's almost like your body sort of holds on to certain energy and stuff like that. So in that sense, if that happens, that's been built up over a long period of time by thinking the same thoughts all the time. So in that sense, it would be good to just connect with the feeling down there and then just allow it to express because it just basically wants to express because it's being pushed down all the time. So it just needs to express to come out. Mm. So you just connect with it. And if it comes up, then it comes up. But if it doesn't come up and it's not a problem for you, then you won't even notice that it's there, will you? Mm. It'd be like dormant kind of thing. You know, you could live for your whole life and have dormant cancer cells. I think that we all have that at the time because in the end, if you live long enough, and then I don't know this, you have to check this out for yourself, but like this is sort of basically understand it. If you live long enough, your cancer, your, t- your cells will just switch to a to a, uh, a way of just saying, okay, we're just going to become cancer cells now and just uh, die off over time. What a lovely thought. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? So, and again, it's just, you know, your body, you're not your body. It's like, you know, the way I like to think of it is like life is, think of it like this, life is water and that's all there is. There's nothing else. There's only water. But then somehow some of the water gets frozen into little ice blocks and it creates a little puppet here called Dave. It creates one there called Orlando. It creates a little computer. It creates a house. It creates this. And they're all ice blocks in the water. So you could go through your whole life thinking that you're an ice block apart from everything else. I'm apart from the house. I'm apart from the other person. I'm apart from the laptop. I'm apart from the water that's around me. It's not me. I'm only this ice block and I'm not the water. But then you could go through your life with the recognition, I am the water. There's nothing else. There's only me, the water. But somehow, I've managed to like freeze myself into another state where it seems like there's two different things now, but there's not. So at the end of that whole life, the water, the icebox is just going to melt back into the water. And you were only ever the water. You were never anything else other than that. It just seemed like it was because of some weird thing that happened and put you in a different state. Mm. And but but in this metaphor, the water, certain parts of water would be vibrating, resonating at a different frequency. There would be different frequencies um, in that water. Yeah. Right. Like uh, around different people. Yeah. And uh, around nature, I guess as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, since, yeah. So I suppose, like going back to the question that you asked as well, the uh, so if you've got feelings in there or blockages or whatever, but they're not bothering you, it'd be like a dormant cancer cell or something. So if it doesn't become active, mm-hmm. then it's not going to be a problem for you, is it? But then if there's a trigger... 
then it'll, then it'll become, become active and that right. will be your advisor coming up telling you oh there's something resonating here what's not resonating with our true being mm. and so you want to you want to basically do the polar opposite of what most people do and you want to sort of embrace your triggers like as soon as a trigger something triggers you you should be like not should but you could be like (laughs) you could could be like oh like great yeah great this feels terrible great (laughs) this is coming up well when most people come to me and they say i've got a trigger or what they would call a problem i call it an invitation from your subconscious for deep inner healing Mm. That's what I recognize it as. That's what it is. It's basically a cry for help from a younger version of you inside that's suffering in some way. And it wants you, the older you, the more advanced one, to help it, to heal it. Because it's some, it's like, and again, using like a metaphor, it's sort of got stuck in your body somewhere. Mm. You know, stuck in the past. Because your body's like a sort of hard drive of the past in it, you know. If you look at your body, you'll see like scars on you. Maybe you've got a scar. Let's see, I've got one on my finger there where I fell over one time and I was drunk and I cut my fingers open. That's like a, a little bit of history of like what happened to this body, mm. you know, on the show on me. That's what happened. It's still there kind of thing. So it's like a little scarred version of me comes up and wants to get healed. It's still open. The wound's still open. And it's like, uh, you know. Any chance of getting healed now? Any chance of getting accepted back in? You're like, nope. No, because the mind's (laughs) like that going, no way, you're going to have to change before you can come back in. And that's the conditional love right there. Because you've got to to match up into the conditions until you'll be accepted back in. Whereas self-love, unconditional love would say, you're allowed to come in here no matter what you say, no matter how you feel, no matter what you've done, because you're a part of me and you'll never not be a part of me. Even though the mind might reject you i'll never reject you because i'm your heart so it it's sort of like let's say let's let's say it's a five-year-old version of you mm-hmm. a five-year-old version of you um is you you were using a metaphor where he's outside the house and you you want to let him in mm-hmm. um i'm gonna change it a little bit and say <clears throat> he's inside your house so you you have a house and and there's a five-year-old version of you that is just in a tantrum because uh, you're not showing him or her love yeah and so naturally like it's kind of going a little bit crazy and it's breaking shit and it's causing mayhem in, inside your house because you're not loving him or her and all it wants in order to calm down is for you to accept it but you need to but you're saying I'll accept you when you're calm you know and so yeah. I'll accept you when you are the way that I want you to be but actually what it needs in order to be calm is you to accept it any way that it is exactly. even when it's causing like when it's like setting stuff on fire and when it's breaking your windows like it wants to know that it, it it's 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 kind of like it's going to test you to be like I'm going to see if I can really be accepted anyway, one especially when you start like accepting it, like maybe if you're, yeah, this is speculation, but yeah, that's it sounds pretty smart because I want to create a metaphor also like for myself to like understand this better because I I think if people 
logically understood, mm-hmm. like it makes no sense to avoid the way that I feel. And it actually, it's really good for me to connect with it. I think they would. Mm-hmm. Well, often it's because they don't understand that on a deeper level. That's why they don't do it. They, they, they think they do understand it, but in, on an intellectual level, that's still in a sort of problem-solution kind of idea. And mm. it's not about that at all. It's Your heart doesn't think in problem and solution. It just feels in resonance. And that's why you can understand. I have some clients like that. They can understand it completely. They could tell me it back to me, though as good as I could tell it to anyone else. But they don't apply it because they haven't really understood it on a deep level. And how do you understand it on a deep level? By actually applying it and doing it. It's mm. the only real way to understand it. And why would that help you understand it on a deep level? Because it's experience, isn't it? Because mm. you're not just listening to me telling you. And I would suggest to anyone who's listened to any of our podcasts and listened to anything that I've said, don't just believe it because I told you it. Try it out for yourself. Like, test it out for yourself. Really approach it like with a scientific way, proper science, because science nowadays is more like a religion. You just have to believe it kind of thing. Real science is you uh, either think of an idea or you take an idea and then you do your very, very best to disprove that it's true. Mm -hmm. That's real science because that's Mm. the only way that you really know that it really is true. Like when you say to me, I'm going to be the devil's advocate, I'm like, I get excited about that because I know <laughs> you're going to do your best to disprove it. And I don't even know what you're going to ask because I'm only like a representative for these ideas. I'm only a representative for these like insights and stuff like that. So I don't even know what answers are going to come out. That's why I get excited because I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be coming some stuff out here. What I don't even know, you know, but because you're being like devil's advocate and you're really testing, you're being like a scientist, you're really testing, trying to prove me wrong on that. And only by doing that, you'll find out the real deep insights. That's how I've found them out by testing them, testing them, testing mm-hmm. them, and being not being critical in a negative way, but just being like, I'm going to find the cracks in this. I'm going to find out where this doesn't work. And every now and again, you'll find one, and that will give you a massive insight because then you'll start to ask yourself, like, well, how come that's like not working there? And it is working there, and now you can do a bit of comparison. You go even deeper mm-hmm. and discover an even deeper insight that you weren't even aware of. You're like, whoa. So the only way to understand it is to at actually, a deep level, yeah, is to actually apply it in your life. That's the only reason I can speak with complete confidence and come into this podcast and not even know what you're going to ask me and want you to challenge me on every single thing because they're not my ideas, they're not my insights. They come from the big me and I've just discovered them. I've just received them from the big me and therefore I'm just want to like share them with other people and then you could test them out. Maybe you can find something that I didn't find. And if you did, let me know because I'll be more than interested to, you know, (laughs) test these things out. That's the only way I can speak with complete confidence and complete um, openness and want people to challenge me. I want you to try and find the cracks because it's not my thing. I'm representing it, you know, and if you can find some cracks or some things where it doesn't work, then great. Let's go deeper into that because there's even more insights in there. And when you discovered these tools and started applying them for yourself, did you, <clears throat> were there times where you were like, oh, this is really working? And then other times where you're like, oh, wait, maybe it's not working? Yeah, definitely. So it wasn't like, uh, oh, I've discovered this and like, woo. 
Like some of them, yeah. Some of them like work across the board all the time, but other ones like they work with some things and then they don't work with others. But that's even more interesting to me because then I'll ask myself, what's the difference? Why is it working there? And why is it not working there? What's the difference? And there, there, there's a possibility for deep insight there. Mm. So when I was first starting off with hypnosis and that, I uh, I was listening to a podcast and one I forget who it was, but the hypnotist on the podcast he said something like, um, "What it would be a good idea is to like um, find out something that you really like and really enjoy, learn that, and then find something that says that that's bullshit, and then learn the other one as well, and then distill out of both of them." what's true and what's not true so you've got the two extremes from both so i thought i don't know interesting idea but i applied it wow that was a great tip that that was amazing tip. yeah like amazing tip so give you an example one of the things that put me off hypnosis in the very first place was that authoritative hypnosis it's called where i'm the all-powerful hypnotist and you're going to come to me and i'm going to like fix you i'm going to change you by telling you you're going to be like this now. So like, say, like you came to me and you were like, you know, um, you you didn't really believe in yourself, you weren't self-confident. Then I guide you into a nice hypnotic state and then I just tell you from now on you are confident and it's like a, an authority figure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now that works for some people very well, but that put me off because that doesn't resonate with me at all. And often in the... Um, uh, what's it called like stage hypnosis they use that kind of thing because it, it works in that context because if you're like inviting people onto the stage and it's your show and you let people run a mock on the thing you've got to be the boss there you know what I mean you've got to be the one that says like this is my show we're doing it my way so that authoritative type of hypno- hypnosis there is very very effective and also very recommended i think like you know i've never done that i've watched a few things i've done a few trainings just to understand it but i would imagine that if you're running that show and you've got more people up on the stage and that like and then you show any kind of like oh i'm not really the boss now i'll let you take over then they're just going to run amok basically you know Mm. so that put me off the other type of hypnosis which which i do which i love is like you the client you have all the power in you your unlimited potential it's my responsibility to help you discover that and to bring it out in you help you find it discover it and then help you develop it help you bring it out so i'm not the all-powerful hypnotist that's going to fix you i'm just the facilitator of your own inner power and i'm just going to connect with your own inner power which you could call your deeper intelligence your subconscious or whatever and all the other parts as well your intellect and all the other parts of it And I'm just going to help you discover that. So those are two opposites in hypnosis. So after a while, when I was like, because that first one put me off, I was learning this one. It was resonating with me. Then I thought to myself, let's go and have a little discover what's on the other side with that one. I don't really like, you know, and I went into it. And again, there were a lot of things I don't like about it, but there were a lot of things in there that were very, very useful to me. And I thought... I can take them out of that context and I can put them into my own context. And instead of having that authoritative way of doing it, I can bring it in the way like that the other person's the the one with all the power. But I was using the tools that they had in there in a different way to fit in with my way. Mm-hmm. Worked amazingly. Some of those tools were like very powerful and that like very, very powerful. And I just mixed them into the, the into my way of doing it and then f- adjust them so that it resonated with my way of doing it 
I never have discovered those things at all. Never. If I wasn't open to going into that, what I thought like was the opposite and like, you know, that's that's the wrong way to do it. Especially like that stage hypnosis. If you really understand how that works, it's just, it's amazing. It reminds me like of, um, you know, if you've got like a magician and the magician cuts the woman into halves and that like, and then the, like the legs are wiggling there and the head's wiggling there. You're like, you're thinking, oh, my eyes are telling me that she's in two places, but like, it can't be. How could it be, you know? And then if you know how that's done, then you just like, you, you think to yourself, oh, how could I have not known that? You know, it's just so simple. Well, that hypnosis shows a bit like that as well. But when you look at it, it looks like pure mind control, like the hypnotist has got pure power over the, the people. When really, it's just an illusion created by the way it's set up and stuff like that. There are elements, like the, the trick with the woman, there are elements that are truly real, but there are also elements that it's an illusion and it sort of tricks your mind into thinking something's happening when it's not really happening that way. Mm. I'd have never have discovered that if I didn't go into that, you know, and... Even though I thought, like, I'll never be a stage hypnotist because it doesn't resonate with me, it just doesn't interest me. But the philosophy behind it and the, the techniques that they're using, that does interest me. Maybe I could use them in my own, you know, um, way of doing hypnosis and that. So this guy was saying, pick something you love and then <clears throat> explore the part of it you love. Explore it all. Do it, really understand it. Get Make it your own. And yeah. then when you've done that, find something that disagrees with it and says that it's bullshit and do and go into that deeply and find out what, what what's mm. making them say that. Okay, so for example, like NLP, for example, mm -hmm. study NLP yeah. and then study the people, because it is controversial and yeah. some people say it's like bullshit or something. Yeah. So then study their opinion and yeah. what are they actually saying? Exactly. Mm. I love doing that on YouTube, you know what I mean? So if I watch something like on YouTube and I'm like, that's amazing, I'll automatically type in the same thing with debunked or fake. <laughs> really? like and then you'll get these other people <laughs> that completely give like a complete different point of view. And it's it's totally insightful because now you're, you're not like on one side or the other. You're like the neutral observer in the yeah. middle and you're applying and then you can take things out of what they've said and take things what they've said, put them together and make your own thing out of it. But, okay, so like I avoid that yeah. stuff. <laughs> Sometimes I'll see videos of like stuff that I like. Like I saw a, I saw a video recently. It was like Tony Robbins, uh, why he should not be your guru because he has this Netflix documentary, I'm Not Your Guru. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty much like, it looked like a video of like debunking Tony Roberts. And uh, I was like, oh no, I don't want to watch that. Because I don't want to, I don't know. <clears throat> I, it's like confirmation bias, right? We seek that which will confirm. That's why I laughed when you told me that. <laughs> you immediately look at like that thing debunked because it's such it's so not natural as a human instinct to do that. <laughs> like if you do that, you do it because you have a you have an intention because yeah, I think most people would also be like, oh I don't want to watch that because yeah. I have my opinion exactly on this. Well, that's what I do, isn't it? I take people out of one trance or I help them get out of one trance and I help them go into another trance. So basically, that's what I'm doing. So if we use that as a metaphor, if I'm watching the thing about uh, whatever, the, the um, let's say the authoritative hypnosis and I'm watching that and I think, oh, that's not for me. And I'm watching the other thing about like the clients, the one with all the power and that. If I'm watching that one, then 
and I want to learn something from that one, I can't because I'm just in the trance of like, this is the truth. This is the only way. Mm. And therefore, then I can't get out to, to investigate the other one. Mm. So, for example, with NLP, there could be a video where someone says NLP is complete fucking bullshit because they completely neglect this. Yeah. And then at the same time, it could be like NLP is super effective, but it does actually neglect this. So what if I did NLP and this? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. So it's like like uh, I've done like many many regression courses and that like very many regression courses of like it's a hypnotic technique where you just basically recreate something from the past bring up traumas and stuff like that I've done so many regressions because I had a period where I was just totally into it so I've done many many different courses and in those courses you'll have things like that where they'll say don't do it like this and then in another course they'll say do it like this so I try them all out and I just notice which one works for me and I think like well I'll leave that one and this one works for me mm. which one resonated yeah with which you? one resonates the best with me which yeah. one's the most effective and then actually the technique what I use now I didn't learn in any of those things at all I discovered it along the way because I meshed all the ones that I've done together and out of that came my own technique mm. I just discovered it along the way I discovered wow it's like the technique of actually speaking to the advisor. So when the advisor comes up, I'll, I'll ask the advisor, would it be okay if we went back to the very first time that you appeared in their body? Would that be okay with you? Yes or no? And when it says yes to me, I know my work's done because it knows exactly where we need to go. And then I'll just give it a cue. Like I could do anything, but I like to give it a cue. I'll say something like, I'll come back in a moment from five to one. And by the time we get to one, I want you to create that scene in their imagination. Is that okay with you? Yes or no? And it'll say yes pretty much all of the time. Every now and again, I'll say no, but I'll have a certain reason why it does that. And then I'll count backwards. And what that does is, as I'm counting backwards, the person sitting there goes into curious mode because they're thinking, what's going to come up? I don't know what's going to come up. And what that does, it focuses your attention on what's going to come up. And that curiousness and that like anticipation is what you want. Because when something comes up, they're, they're like a cat, you know, ready to pounce and that like, because they're like totally curious. Their attention's just totally focused in what's going to come up here. You know what I mean? And that's mm. what you want. So that's why I'll often count. I could go like, I could clap my hands or something like that. That would also work. But I like to build up a little bit of tension, a bit of anticipation and build the curiosity up because it's the curiosity that's going to help instead of them analysing all the time, thinking, oh, I'll analyse it and I'll try and work out what it will be. I don't want them doing that. I want them to be curious about what's going to come up and they're going to be like an antennae. And that's something when I, I don't know when I discovered it, but when I... I discovered it along the way and then I noticed when I did that I was like the effect of it was like amazing because I'm talking to the very part that knows everything about what I want to know so I just make a deal with it is that okay if I do that is that okay if we go there yeah it's okay take me there now five four three two one you're there now Mm. that, that came because I had so many so many different trainings and that that I had so many different techniques that I'd use all the time and with some people again one technique is going to work with them but for some reason this one's not working with them because some people are a lot more analytical a lot more in the head and even though I give them clear instructions of what to do and what not to do 
they won't follow my instructions. So with those people, I'll use certain techniques. Whereas other people are very creative and you can give them very simple instructions. And some people are like gifted. So I could just say to them, go right there now. And they'll just be there right away. They're like gifted. They can just go into like a regression and be like, oh, I'm four years old and I'm here now. And mm. like pure gifted. Other people, I have to sort of like teach them how to do it. But then once they've taught, once they've learned how to do it, then they get better at it. It's like any other skill. And could it not be just their mind making it up? Well, it is the mind making it up, and because the past doesn't exist, your mind's just making everything up. Because people sometimes ask me, you know, like with like past life regression and stuff like that. They ask me like, are those memories real on the past life regression? And I always laugh and say, none of your memories are real, not one. Think about it yesterday. Think about where you were yesterday at 12 o'clock. Where were you? Where was I? Yeah. Um, I was at work. You were at work? Yeah. That memory now, that's not real. That's just an idea of where you thought you were. Mm. You literally made it up. And this is often what people will say. This is one of the things where people get stuck. Because whenever I'm doing regression with people, I'll often tell them three things. Whenever I'm working with people, I'll often tell them three things before we even start. And one of them is that, like, give me the first answer that comes up. And mm. what will often happen is, because the, the first answer that comes up is the subconscious answer, and that's the answer we want. But what often what will happen is the intellect will come along with its little clipboard. And it'll go like, that doesn't fit in with my idea of what it should be. So we'll reject that. Give me another answer, subconscious. And when that happens, you miss a valuable insight. And often what your intellect will say is, this is not logical what comes up now. Mm. Or this is not real. I'm making this up. And the funny thing about it is, you are making it up because there is no past. You're literally recreating it in the here and now. But normally in everyday life, we talk about the past and the future as if it's real. And we just talk about, oh, yesterday I was there, and you don't even think about it. But when you do hypnotic techniques, my theory of this is that you actually become closer and closer. You get closer to the creative source that actually generates the reconstruction. And because you get so close to it, you get an intense feeling that it's being made up. Because it is being made up all the time. But normally, you're sort of like on the surface or further away from it. It's like in the deepness inside yourself. So you're like on the surface and you don't really get that feeling like you're making it up. But if you think about it, of course you're making it up because there was no yesterday. When I asked you where were you, you just said like I was at my work. You just made that up. You were at your work, but you just the memory wasn't real. It wasn't really what was happening. It's just a representation. So what often happens is when you go into like deep hypnotic sort of processes, which cures, you could say causes deep hypnotic states, you get very close to that creative source that's actually making a reconstruction of what you would call the past. So you get a very intense feeling that you're making it up because you're always making it up all the time. It's just that now because you're in a hypnotic process and that it becomes a lot more clear to you that you're mm. actually making it up. So typical things, what the intellect will say is, this is not true, I'm making it up. Uh, this is not logical. Or one of my favorites, I don't know what this has got to do with it. <laughs> Whenever I hear that, I'm like, this is gold. Whatever's going to come now, this is gold. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just like perched on the edge of his chair thinking, this is going to be amazing the insight now. Because the intellect's trying to keep you 
in a fixed structure of what it's called the truth. And it's decided that this is the truth. So anything that comes out of that, it's going to say like, no, that doesn't fit in with my idea. What's the truth? But that's the whole reason why you get stuck. Because there is no the truth in that sense. There is a truth, what your intellect's made up of all these ideas. But it's not the truth. It's just one truth out of many truths. And the things that happened in the past, they happened in the past one time. Every time you think about it again, that's not it happening again. That's a little thought in, in consciousness coming up, like a little film getting played. It's not real. So when you're traumatized and not like by the past, you're not really traumatized by the past. You're traumatized by the little film that you've created in your mind or the mind's created it in itself to try and help you either learn from that or it's charged up with heavy emotional energy that hasn't been al allowed to release. And that's what sort of keeps it there. And on your on your sort of journey to understanding this stuff, <clears throat> you must have experienced moments where you were like, "Oh fuck, I thought I was getting it, but I'm not getting it." Yeah, definitely. And now I'm like confused, and like I feel like I haven't made progress. Now, how did you deal with that? Well, if I'm not getting it, then it just and if well, if confusion is basically like the exit out of the old and the entrance into the new. So whenever you get confused, it's just the old hypnotic programming that gets confused because you, awareness, can never be confused. You are that in which the confusion happens. So in that way, you could just step out of it and just realize, oh, the hypnotic program is getting confused, which is good because that means I'm learning. That means I'm progressing. It means the old's falling away and the new's getting put in mm. because that's why it gets confused because it doesn't make sense anymore. It's like, shit, I thought I knew that two plus two equals four but now it seems to equal five i'm confused and then it just falls apart and then a new understanding gets built up and that's what your intellect's doing all the time so your intellect's trying to keep it the same all the time but there's a creative part inside that's always challenging it all the time and always trying to change it all the time so the two if you get the two working in balance together then that's the optimal what you can get that's really what you want so you've got fixed structures but they're very flexible and you can change them at any moment at any time so with those things, like, I just like, well, you know, if, if I don't understand it at the moment, I'll just leave it and, you know, I'll come back to it another day. It's funny that actually, because like, I can remember a few times where I think I don't understand this at all. So then I just leave it for like three days and then come back to it and then watch it again and think, oh, I do understand it now. <laughs> because I was trying too hard to get all the information in and my subconscious is more like, listen, I can only deal with so much at a certain time if you want me to learn on a deep deep level really quickly stop giving me too much at once think of it like eating too much food thinking well you know i'm gonna have to eat for the whole week so i'll eat all that food today for my whole week mm. that's not the way to do it just eat when you're hungry and then let it digest and then when you feel hungry again then eat again so that's also like what i found out with it taking information in and i've noticed what things would work for me so for instance um I learned very quickly by watching someone do something. So any kind of demos and stuff like that, I'll learn that very quickly. In fact, my subconscious will learn things and that that I'm not aware of. And then when I'm actually doing it, I'll start doing things that I didn't even know I had learned because my subconscious learned it by watching. 
someone else do it who's good at it. Mm. But if I read it in a book, I could probably read it ten times and I'd still be able to, like I still wouldn't be very confident of thinking, oh, do I do it like this or do I do it like that? So if you notice for yourself, you'll notice that some ways you'll have learning, you'll learn very quickly and very easily. And other ways it'll be a lot more difficult. And if you can combine them as well, like that's you know, that's very uh, helpful as well. But I don't really learn in that way um, by reading. I can read things, I can learn from it, but it's a very slow process for me. It doesn't really, it's very, like, it, it's not easy. It's a, it's like, it's quite difficult for me to learn because I'm still not sure. But if I watch it, like if I watch it once, I'll learn from it. But then if it's a good demonstration, I'll watch it like three, four, five times after each other. And each time your subconscious is learning more and more. And while I'm focusing on things and like picking things out, my subconscious is looking at the big picture and putting all like new things together behind the scenes, what I'm not even aware of. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest that to anyone. Like if you ever get stuck in that, just take a step back and ask yourself, what am I doing here? Am I watching videos? Am I listening to podcasts? Am I reading books? What works for me well and what doesn't work so good? And like I've said before, do more of what works and do less of what doesn't work so well or just adjust it, you know. In my case, I might read through it once. I sort of almost force myself to read through it once because I know it will be good for me to do that. But I'll, I'll if I have a video, I'll watch it like whatever. I could easily watch it 15 times after each other again and again and again say like it was a demonstration for 20 minutes and I find that fascinating I'll watch that easily for 10 10 times after each other no problem at all Mm. and learn very quickly how to do that like so I won't even know that I've learned it basically until I come to do it and I'll be like wow it's almost like I've done this 10 times and because my subconscious did it 10 times in in my mind kind of thing so it's good to notice for yourself what what helps you learn very quick and what helps you not learn so quick. Yeah. Let's circle back to staying in a high vibration. So we were talking about um, doing the things that resonate with you. And then you also mentioned questions that you can ask yourself. So let's, let's go into that. Yeah. So what kind of questions would you... Well, like there's the simple ones, like what do I enjoy here and now? What do I find funny here and now? What do I appreciate here and now? All those kind of questions because you're focused on what you do want and it's your brain sort of compulsory that it answers any question that you ask it, no matter how ridiculous the question. So if you ask it the right questions, it'll come up with the right answers. So that would be one way. So you're appreciating what you're enjoying. And then ask the why question, go deeply into it. So uh, let's do an example. So if I was to ask you now, and uh, um, what do you appreciate here and now, in this moment, in this here and now, what do you appreciate? Um, I'm, uh, what do I appreciate? Yeah, that I'm, I'm comfortable. That you're comfortable. And why do you appreciate that you're comfortable? Because... I know what it's like to be uncomfortable. Yeah, because you know what it's like to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So um, why is comfort then important to you? Because it allows me to relax. Mm-hmm. And why is relaxation important to you? Why is relaxation important to me? 
Because then I can I can just enjoy myself. Yeah. So why is enjoying yourself important to you? Why is enjoying myself important to me? So it feels good. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it important to feel good? Yeah, I think we I think we hit the boundary here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, fucking know. Well, that's it. Like so, <laughs> then and notice and like even at the end, notice that you just laughed. You just started laughing. <laughs> Laughing's a great frequency to be on. You just mm. you just enjoy it. So notice every time I asked, it sort of stretched your brain a little bit. It made your brain think a little bit deeper of like, why is that actually? And while you were doing that, then you were on that frequency of like curious and you were searching, like discovering inside. And every time you got an answer, that was also adding to the positive frequency of like, you know, all the answers, what you gave there, they were all pretty much positive ones, you know. Mm. So you would encourage people to do this, to mimic this process? Yeah, you could do that. And just be like, what do I appreciate now? I appreciate that, um, um, you know, I'm eating something really good. Yeah. Why is that important? Yeah. Because blah, blah, blah. Why is that important? Until you, your brain just can't. Just can't. And then you'll probably end up laughing like what you did, which is great. Which puts you in like a little, you know. (laughs) Like playful moods where you're just like shit. I don't, I don't even know. Can't say anymore. But mm. okay. And then of course you you don't necessarily need to ask yourself the questions. You could also just like list things. Yeah. Right. Just focus on things. Um. And I would suggest that you just try different things out as well, and just notice what one resonates with you more. You know, like different yeah writing things out might be better for you than asking the question oh yeah yeah yeah. you know asking the questions you might record it on your phone and listen back to your answer that's interesting <clears throat> again try all different things out and notice because you'll discover some things that really resonate with you that maybe no one else has mentioned before you're not going to discover those things if you're not being playful and experimenting and being curious so you need to find something like wow you know hmm <clears throat> I think that's really that's pretty important that to to focus on that itself to to focus on what do I resonate with mm-hmm. as opposed to because I I feel like a lot of the times people will look to the consensus they will look to the popular option and then just be like oh that's probably what I should do I'll give you an example of this yeah. at the gym for example uh, there's a certain movement that there's just one way that I could apply, but there's a, there's a certain movement that people use for the back. It's called the barbell row, mm-hmm. and it's very popular. And there's one that I th- I hear way less people talk about. It's called the T-bar row. But when I do it, it feels really, really good. And um, maybe there's a reason for that, you know. Maybe, and uh, I'm just making stuff up here, but maybe um, I've got, like, long forearms mm-hmm. compared to like the my, the whole of my body therefore the t-bar is like way better that mechanically for me and most people who have average length forearms then the the barbell row would be would be better for them but then if i look and i'm like mm, most people do the barbell row then i'll i'll i won't do what's actually working best for me 
and with like the this stuff about focusing on what you appreciate maybe you hear like everyone's talking about like oh you got to write it down like i write it down but maybe when you just direct your attention and focus on different things it feels better and lighter so just do that exactly because you're a unique human being in it why you want to fit in with other people hmm if they walk in the same path as you, then walk the same path. But the moment, like you feel like branching off on your own, branch off on your own. If people want to walk with you, great. You know, come along. If not, I'll be going this way now. Have a nice day. Might meet back up with you somewhere along the path there. So in your case, that other one's probably better for you. Do that one. If that one resonates more, who cares? If the whole world's doing the other one and saying this is the best one, if you're in your experience mm. that that one's better for you, then it doesn't matter what the whole world says, does it? Yeah, because you're a unique human being, so. Yeah, and and on top of it, if you don't, if you sort of dishonor yourself like that, you're never gonna bring into the world what you what you would bring in exactly, the unique you. Yeah. You're sort of depriving the universe of your unique gifts. And that. Yeah, yeah. That's like, it's almost like insulting, isn't it? Mm. The universe made you unique and not like it gave you all these special gifts that are unique to you and you're like, oh, I don't want to use them. I just want to be like everyone else. <laughs> and the, the universe will say, it's your choice. I'm the mirror. I'll fucking mirror that right back to you and not like, you're not going to be very happy, are you? You know? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um... <clears throat> You, um, this is something I wanted to talk about that you wrote highest values oh, yeah. versus hypnotic programming. Oh yeah, this one's an interesting one. What do you mean by that? Now, first of all, what are your highest values? So your highest values are the things that you find the most important things in life. So if I was to ask you, and you can do this in, this is interesting to do and I would recommend that you do this. You can do it in different, like, um, with different, um, forget what you call it, like, in the in your relationship you could do it, in your work you could do it, in your study you could do it, so in different sections of your life you could do it. But as a general one, in life, what's the most important thing to you? Right here, right now. What is the most important thing to me? Um... Yeah, maybe joy. Joy. Great. And what else? Mm. Let's get three. Okay. Maybe three. Um, joy. Progress. Progress. What else? Connection. Connection. Okay. And when you do this, like, again, like we said before, just be playful, be curious, be experimenting. You might think of these things now, but later on you might think, oh, it stimulated you to think of something else in you, something else come up. So always be 
open to adjusting and adjust your list or whatever. And this is a very simple way to do it. So it's better to just start off simple. I suppose you could make it more complicated if you want, but keep it very simple. So you've got joy, progress and connection. So imagine you could only choose between joy and progress. You could only have one of them. Which one would you choose? Joy. Joy. And joy and connection? <sighs> joy. Joy. Great. So joy's up number one. So you've got progress and you've got connection. If you had to choose between one, you couldn't only have you could only have one and not the other. What connection. Connection to come on second place. Yeah. And then progress to come on third. Yeah. So let's just play with those ones. So you've got joy, uh, connection, and progress, right? So there, at the moment, with just, just this first little investigation, they're your highest values. You probably find if you if you go into this a bit deeper and longer, you might change them a little bit, or you mm-hmm. might discover because again, they're only labels. They're only labels for for something else. So you may find a better label where you think, oh, that label works a lot more better for me. Mm-hmm. So don't get stuck on like, oh, I've got them now, so you know I've got to stick to them. Just labels, play around with them, be playful. So these are your highest values. So if you're going to make some kind of life decision, if you want to take that decision from out your heart, which is where those highest values come from, that's where they originate from, the true you, what I would call the real you. Then I would ask myself, on a scale of zero to 10, how much joy am I going to get out of this decision? So if you've got a decision, what you're going to make um, in the next, whatever, few weeks or something, some basic life decision. It doesn't have to be really important, just to, just to give an example. Mm, something like really, really, uh, yeah, what am I, what I'm going to eat. Yeah, or like? Um, pasta. Pasta. It's okay. So let's use that as like a very, that's like a very simple example because normally you're going to have like life decisions. But let's keep it like that because that's interesting because let's see where we go with it. See what happens. I don't know what's going to come out of it. Who knows? So you're going to eat pasta. How much joy? From zero to ten, how much joy are you going to get out of eating pasta? Yeah, like a solid seven. A solid seven. Yeah. Great. And how connected are you going to feel by eating pasta? Depends if I'm with someone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, just eating pasta. Yeah, say you were just doing it on your own. Yeah, then I probably wouldn't feel connected. I wouldn't feel connected. And then um, how much progress do you think you'd make? With- <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if I'm, like, getting gains at the gym, then, like, eating pasta is going to fuel that. Okay. So notice that, like, it didn't really... It's not really important eating pasta, is it really? You know, you're going to get joy out of it, but it didn't really even resonate with the other ones. It couldn't even really give them a score mm. or anything. So just think of another thing now, something in your life that's an important decision. Uh, no, okay, where I'm going to work. Okay, where you're going to work. So have you got somewhere in mind? Yeah. Okay, so we'll take that. On a scale of 1 to 10 or 0 to 10, how much joy does it feel like you're going to get from that work at the moment? Um, like a seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. And how connected do you feel to that job? Uh, yeah. Um, 
Maybe a seven. Maybe a seven. Yeah. And how much progress do you feel like you're going to make in that job? Yeah, like a nine. Okay, nice high score. So really what you want is you want anything, a seven or above, and that's that's a good score. Really you want like tens if you can. It's going to be difficult, but you'll find some things, there'll be a ten straight away, easy, or a nine. See, notice the way, like with the last one you said, sort of straight away, oh, that's a nine. Whereas the other ones, you have to sort of think about it a bit and give it a score. Yeah. And maybe later on you'll think of other things and you say, oh, you know what? I'll give it an eight actually because I didn't, I didn't take that into consideration. So again, it's just to give you a general idea of how it feels. So, um, if you're going to make that decision, that would be pretty high score for that. A decent score. It's not the highest, but it's a decent start because you haven't even started that job yet, right? No. So when you start that job, then you'll actually start to realize what, how much joy you do get, how connected you do feel, and how much progress you are making. So as a starting off for your highest values, that's a pretty good score. Or all sevens, two sevens and a nine. That's mm. a good one. So that's basically where your heart's saying, yeah, that resonates pretty well with me at the moment. That feels right, you know. That feels good enough. So imagine you gave me um, something like a two, a three, and a and a four or something. Then that would be more like, nah, doesn't really resonate with me heart. But your hypnotic programming might be telling you, you need to get that job because, and then it'll come with its little story of like why it thinks that. And that's often what people do, is that they'll make a decision based on the perceptions, beliefs, and ideas in the hypnotic programming, and it'll often override what the heart wants because it'll come. It's always coming out of force. Now, I don't know if it's fair to say that it's always coming out of force, but it's often coming out of force. You must do this. You have to do this. You should do this. Whereas your heart would say, "You could do it. You can do it. You may do it. Your choice. Up to you." So, if you're gonna, like. Um, Say like you're going to have a relationship with someone or you're in a relationship with someone, you could do it like that. You could ask, okay, how much joy am I having in this relationship with this person? Give yourself a score. How connected do I feel with this person? Give yourself a score. How much progress do I feel like I'm making with this person? You know, And with progress, do you mean like sort of grow, growth or something mm. like that? How much growth am I experiencing yeah. with this person? So you could give yourself scores and then that would give you a sort of idea of how much it's resonating with your heart Mm. same with your study say like you're doing a study the same thing do exactly the same thing how much joy am i getting from this study from actually doing the study not what i think i'm going to get from it later because that's your intellect speaking your heart's always like the here and now how much joy am i getting actually doing that study okay devil's advocate moment certain things lead to things though yeah right so so what if um there there was a there was a, a program in the study i was doing before that i actually really enjoyed yeah so i could have been like oh that's gonna lead to me doing this so i'm gonna tolerate the program yeah in order to do that but then in the present in the now i wouldn't be getting joy from it yeah exactly so now you know the difference now you know what's motivating you because when you're going to do something now to get something later that's your intellect speaking because it's always living in having and doing so i'm doing this now to have that later nothing wrong with it just be aware that that's your intellect 
speaking, your heart would say, I'm doing it now to have it now. Because it doesn't live in doing and having. It lives in being. I'm being it now. So you're saying that the heart would go through the program and doesn't enjoy? Well, it would get forced sometimes by the hypnotic programming to go through the programming it doesn't enjoy. But what if on the other side of that is something the heart would really enjoy? Well, that would be the hypnotic programming suggesting that that would be the case because you don't know that for sure. Mm. And the heart would say, well, we could have the joy now and not even go through that process. Right. So we could use an example that you give me at that, you know, the one with the, the singing and the, the study that you were doing. Would that be okay to use it? So the study, are you still doing that study at the moment? No. So you let it go, right? Yeah. So you had this idea, you, you weren't really resonating with it. You were sort of doing it now to have something later. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was your intellect speaking where... There was something else like singing, for instance, that like you were doing that now to just enjoy doing it now. And that's like the difference between the two. So the singing, the activity of singing was coming from out your heart saying, I want to sing. I want to, I just enjoy singing. I just like being, you know, and singing. Mm. And that I don't need to go through a, a long process to get to something later. Whereas your hypnotic programming was telling you, we'll go through this and then you'll get the prize later on. So that's the thing, is to notice when that's happening. And again, it's a choice. Mm. You can choose. So what often happens, and this is why people get like demotivated, is that the heart sort of gets forced by the hypnotic programming to go through this process that it doesn't enjoy. And that's why you get demotivated. So your mind, your, your hypnotic programming is telling you, you know, you have to go to that study today. You must go to that study. You should go to that study today. Where your heart's going, ah, it doesn't resonate with me. But it sort of gets forced to go there because that's what the hypnotic programming does. But the heart will never force the hypnotic programming to do anything because it doesn't live in that kind of reality. It'll only suggest. And what if what if you're you want to build a business? You want to build a furniture business, and you love. You know you're going to love that. But part of building the furniture business is looking for locations since you're going to be selling like brick and mortar mm -hmm. and you like really don't enjoy that. You don't enjoy the process of looking for locations. Yeah. But you need to do that in order to do that, <laughs> in order to have that business. So. Yeah. But again, that's your hypnotic programming sort of telling you, you are going to like it when you get there. But how do you know that? Because often what happens, and you'll find this with high achievers, they're never, ever satisfied. They've never, ever got enough money or got, got enough power. Because the more you try to fill in that emptiness that's not there by achieving something, the more you're creating more emptiness. So it's the very fact of like leaving the here and now and going into the not here and not now and thinking that's going to be great when I get there instead of your heart would say well those feelings that you think you're going to get when you get there you could have them right here right now 
So what's making you want to go there? Because there is no there. There's only here. So often what will happen is you'll go to that. Let's say, let's take that example. Great example. So let's say like we're the people who want to do it. We go through that hardship. So basically we've said, and let's say like um, when you get there, you're going to feel joy because you've built up your business and it's all going great in that. So you go through that whole process not feeling joy. And therefore, you're on a different frequency. You're on a frequency of stress and lack and worry that you're not going to do it because you're not feeling that joy. So it's going to make it even more difficult for you to feel that joy because you're not on the right frequency. Basically, you're on 105 FM, fear, lack and worry, when you want to be on 110 FM. But because you've gone into that process and you're forcing yourself to do it, thinking that at the end you're going to get to 110 FM, then you go through that whole process, like feeling that stress and all that. And then the illusion is that when you get it at the end, you do feel joy. So eventually it was a hard slog. You went through it and you've built up that furniture business or whatever it is. And now you feel joy. And the illusion is that you feel the joy because you succeeded in that. But it isn't. The reason you feel the joy is you stopped looking in the not here and the not now. Because that joy was never, ever in the not here and the not now. It was always in the here and now. So the illusion is when you get it, you get it and you're like, oh, so you're not looking anymore to the not here, not now because you've gave it a meaning. You've gave it like when I get to here, then I'm going to feel joy. So you get to there and you feel joy because the advisor comes up and says, oh, the meaning you've given it brings me up and I'm mm. joy. And the illusion is that the furniture company, whatever it is, it gave you joy, but it isn't. You stopped looking in the not here and the not now, and therefore you realize that the joy was always here and now. But because you did it that way, after a while, oh, I'm not making enough money though, am I now? You know what I mean? So I'm going to have to be even more successful now because I've got my company and I'm glad about it, but now I need like I need to be bigger. I need to like expand because that will make me feel even more joy. And again, You'll put your attention in the not here and the not now. And therefore, you're going to go through that process again of struggle and worry and lack and all those things. And then if you get to that goal again, you'll say, look, see, I'm feeling the joy. It came because I reached my goal, but it didn't. You stopped looking in the not here and the not now. And you realized, oh, there's the joy right here, right now, because you put it in a symbol. You said basically to yourself, when I have this symbol, I'll allow myself to feel the joy that's here all the time. Mm. So the other way to do it would be is to think of something that you really, really do enjoy doing. Do that. Go through that process with that feeling of joy, not caring whether you get to the end or not, because I'm already feeling the joy, so I don't need to wait till I get to the end of it. And because you're working out of joy, the quality of your work is going to be like 10 times better because you're on the frequency of 110 FM. Joy, happiness, ease. It's just, you're not even noticing that you're in that process at all because you're already there. You're already feeling the joy. You're not in the not here and the not now. You're just in the here and now doing something you really enjoy. And as you go through that process, then maybe, you know, whatever it is, maybe the furniture company is not really what resonated with your heart. Maybe that's what your hypnotic programming told you. Maybe another company was resonating more with your heart and you took that took that route. And therefore, in that process, you don't have to wait till you get to the end to allow yourself to feel the joy because you've given joy a symbol outside yourself. 
you just said to yourself, I'm going to feel the joy in the process, making the experience the goal, making the process the goal, feeling the joy, and you're not even realising that you're on that journey. And then suddenly, oh, look at that, I've, I've succeeded, whatever. I didn't even notice. I was too busy enjoying the process. That's the difference. Hmm. So you're saying just focus on what you enjoy doing? Basically, yeah. Are you also saying there's no place for strategic thinking? No, not at all. Strategic thinking is great. If it's going to be in line with your joy. Think strategically to have more joy. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Could I, you know, how much can you take? Oh, you know, I've had too much joy today. I can't have any more. I'm just, um, I'm all worn out because I've got too much joy. I want to go back to fear and lack and worry. Oh, it's, it's too much, all this happiness and joy. I can't handle it. <laughs> Just to remind myself of what it used to be like. Yeah, maybe. that's it, maybe. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The gift of the contrast. Just go yeah. back for like a day and just go back to worry and lack and fear and just remind yourself, like, this is what I could have been doing. Hmm. <laughs> I think this is a nice place to stop Cool. this episode. Thanks again. And uh, till next time. Yeah, till next time. <laughs>